Hey y'all, this is Allie Lindenberg, multimedia reporter for Ed and C, and your host for today's Awake 58 podcast. Recently, I visited Haywood Community College and met with President Shelley White. We talked all about her first year as president, the changes the college has been through during the pandemic, and I got to witness my very first Zoom dance party in President White's office. Give it a listen and let us know what you think. So President White, thank you so much for sitting down with us today and having us back at Haywood after, gosh, I guess it's been almost a year. Um, so just to start, we just experienced something really special with you, and I'd love if you would describe that uh, experience we just witnessed and talk more about how y'all have stayed engaged as a college during, during this pandemic. Absolutely. And just before I go into that, thank you so much for coming back. And I can't believe it's been almost a whole year since we met and had Ed and C here. Um, but what you just witnessed was a Friday dance party uh, by Zoom, uh, which for this Friday is in celebration of what's called the County Clash. And it's a Haywood County um, rivalry between the Tuscola Mountaineers and the Pisgah Bears, which is a longstanding, one of the biggest high school football rivalries um, in the nation. So we had Spirit Day today and uh, had an opportunity to have some uh, prep and, and just fun time together on Zoom to, um, you know, rep your team and say who's going to win and all of that. Um, we have throughout the pandemic tried to have um, once a month or so kind of a campus engagement activity like that um, to stay connected as we've had a lot of our employees working remotely, um, just not being able to gather like we normally would have. And so things like a, a five minute Friday Zoom party <laughs> sometimes is a good pick me up. Um, we've done that um, for holidays. We had one when um, Farrah Rodriguez, who's our um, success coach here and was named the community college staff member of the year at state level. So we did a, a dance party for her and we've just had a lot of uh, fun, you know, being creative with ways to engage during these um, uncertain and challenging times when we can't do things we normally uh, would together. We are so grateful we got to witness that. I mean, that was, <laughs> that was a lot amazing. of fun. And so glad that you've been able to utilize those type of fun activities to still feel connected mm -hmm. um, as a college and as a team. Um, so, yeah, like, like we've said, it's been about a year since we've been here. Mm -hmm. And you started your term as president here, was it in January of 2020? That's right. January 1st, 2020 was my first day. So <laughs> 2020, first year. Um, can you tell us what the last you know year has looked like at Haywood? Absolutely. So um, coming in as the new president, of course, when you all visited, it was the first or second week of March and was really one of the last, um, what you would say, normal activities before things changed um, with pandemic um, closures and shifting to, to different modes of operating. Um, so, you know, very quickly we did um, shift gears uh, <laughs> to move to fully online for the remainder of our spring semester. 
and that took a lot of coordination and there was a lot of uncertainty and you know thinking back now over the past year and kind of what we were thinking might happen at that time you know there was so much uncertainty and we thought we would probably be back for fall you know and and just not really understanding the true nature of what would come with the pandemic since we had never experienced that before. Um, but as a new leader coming in, I think for me, um, <clears throat> just being in one um, kind of mode as being new, and, and I know with, um, you know, just not being necessarily new to the area, but being new to the college, I was in a mode of listening, learning, getting to know everyone, shaking a lot of hands and going to a lot of events. Um, to really get connected and being out on campus and, and in classrooms, and that totally shifted. So um, not only did I, I have to move more from that listen and learn mode to very much an action-oriented mode um, as the leader, um, how I was connecting with everyone changed as well. So um, being able to shake hands, you know, that really we weren't going out and doing things and meeting people. So in a way, that's been a bit of a challenge throughout this first year. Um, I've still connected with people, but it's been in a very different way. So like meeting people through Zoom parties and things over over time um, and, and engaging in, in very different ways. And a lot more um, over time, you know, we've kind of gotten back to some one-on-one -on -one kind of conversations, but with masks and outside or, you know, in, in very small groups. And so that has been very different. Um, but I think that was probably the starkest change for me was going from being in, you know, I'm new and we're listening and getting to know everyone to having to take some pretty um, bold, specific um, action in response to the pandemic. That makes a lot of sense. I will always remember, I think that you and your team, that was the first time I had ever bumped elbows with someone. Oh, right. When you <laughs> yes. came last March, because we were like, we shouldn't, I don't think we should shake hands. Right. That was the first time that I had experienced that mm -hmm. and, of course, have experienced it a lot since then. Yeah, that's um, a good memory. Because and, and, and masks really weren't a thing then. But I remember the week before you guys came, I had been at a community meeting, which was packed. And our health department director had said, you know, probably don't shake hands anymore, you know, but we're all sitting there like shoulder to shoulder, but right. it's just like what we learned over time. And then what we knew, um, you know, would help keep the spread down. Once we got further into the pandemic, things really did change drastically, but I don't even know if social distancing was a term back no, then. <laughs> I don't know if it was yeah. either, but yeah, mm -hmm. I just remember, I just remember the elbow bumping yeah. and the first time doing that. And then that became such a normal, mm -hmm. normal, um, experience. So um, you, you know, you talked a little bit about the drastic changes y'all had to take. Can you expand a little bit more on that mm -hmm. and talk about, yeah, like what, what classes and what school has looked like here? Sure. So spring of 2020 was, was obviously, you know, that was the big shift for everyone. And we, like most everyone, um, shifted to a completely online environment for several weeks there in the middle to the end of the spring term. Um, we did go ahead and chart a plan for the programs that needed to have certain hours completed for students to be able to finish their classes with face-to-face -face activities. Those were our top priority um, towards the end of the spring term to go ahead and have them come back. So we had to begin looking at what measures do we put in place, safety measures, to be able to have them be able to do that safely. Um, and then we worked throughout the summer 
um, to prepare that on a larger scale for a larger percentage of students to come face to face in the fall. But even with those changes, still fall and spring of 2021 have pretty much been an 85% online environment and a 15% face-to-face environment um, with the face-to-face activities really being limited to the um, career and technical programs that have hands-on activities that really can't be accomplished online. So lecture-based programming has primarily been online. Um, And that's been, we've been able to, I think, keep a safer environment on campus because of having fewer numbers um, throughout the height of the pandemic, which thankfully we're hopefully coming out of. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Of the changes that y'all have made, do you think any of those changes will be ones that you keep moving forward or incorporate into, you know, whatever the new normal becomes? Yes. So one thing I would say, I feel like Haywood was very well positioned um, to move to an online environment because we had been heavily operating um, with online technology for a long time. Um, For example, having a fully online um, early childhood education program, um, have had good investments in technology over the years. So... uh, you know, right when the pandemic hit, we were able to shift pretty quickly um, to, for example, mobilize um, a remote workforce for our employees and um, make more technology available to students if they didn't have access to technology to be able to to connect to their classes. Um, and I'll go, I'll go back to that question. But one thing we did do at the very beginning is we, we made a commitment to keep our library open, um, even though, you know, other services may have closed, just because we knew that for some students that was the only way that they could connect for their, to their classes. And so we had a group of students who consistently used um, the library for, for that access. Um, but going back to your question about what, what we'll keep, um, We've seen a lot of interest in kind of the hybrid or flex model for for courses. And so um, we plan to keep that as an option moving forward. We feel like um, either from a safety or scheduling perspective that students appreciate having that flexibility. So we're looking to have um, more more technology um, support for those kinds of hybrid flex classes so if you're in person or if you're on, say, Zoom or some kind of platform, you're having a, a similar experience, um, whether, you know, whether you're in one or another, and that you could choose which is your preference um, for, for some classes. And we do plan to keep that as an option moving forward. So we were just in the library and we were learning about the Band in C grant you all got and how that helped you all respond to you know the need for digital inclusion and access to broadband and um i just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about that especially because that issue has become so heightened during Mm -hmm. um the time of the this time of the pandemic yes absolutely so going back to just needing to keep the library open because we knew some students could only connect through the library to be able to work on their courses um, we have been able to invest more and and support through grant programs to increase our technology um, lending program, which um, had included laptops, um, headsets, and things like that. 
But with the Band NC program, we were able to expand that to include hotspots, which, um, you know, again, as we've gone through the pandemic, just recognizing that in Haywood County, which is, you know, has many rural areas that don't have high-speed internet access, um, and many students, you know, maybe don't even have good um, cell phone service, you know, out in some of the remote areas, that that became um, pretty clear that that's something that we could help um, as much as we can to fill that gap for students and help them have easier access to to their programs. So it's a combination of a lot of things, um, but I think the, you know, ultimately having the, the broadband expansion into those rural areas is going to be the, the longer term solution. And thankfully, there's some federal funds um, through grants that are coming to help um, communities like ours to, to expand. So budget stabilization is something I definitely want to make sure that we talk about. And um, it's been on the mind of many community college leaders, as we know. And I was just wondering if you could share how the General Assembly's decision on budget stabilization might impact Haywood. Absolutely. So, you know, as we're moving through and out of the pandemic, um, having a firm foundation from which to operate is very important. Um, as a community college system, we're continually called on to be, um, you know, providing the pipeline for uh, workforce development, you know, being um, the, you know, a very responsive educational um, institution in the community in terms of uh, responding to the community's needs. And we want to continue to be in that position and not um, have to pull back uh, because of budget constraints or budget cuts. So um, enrollment fluctuations due to the pandemic um, are, are certainly tied to the pandemic and, um, in my opinion, are, are temporary, um, but would over time recover. And for us to be positioned to not only serve the students that we have, but expecting to see, you know, uh, maybe a surge of students come, we need to be in a, a firm uh, foundation position to be able to respond. So, um, you know, certainly the uh, budget stabilization is critical for, for all community colleges and, and Haywood's included. So our uh, percentage of enrollment decline was about average with the system as a whole. And so we recognize that um, we uh, would not be receiving the same amount of state funding this year uh, if it were not for some additional support from, from the General, General Assembly. So you spoke about, you know, being that pipeline for workforce and, and and several other um that critical connector in several other ways as well i'd like if you could to talk a little bit about you know haywood specifically y'all are a this is a rural county um this is a rural college can you share a little bit about the uniqueness of haywood and then also speak about what you see as the future for mm -hmm. rural community colleges and what role y'all will play okay absolutely so um, Haywood Community College, um, our uh, service area is Haywood County, so we are Haywood's college. Um, we, how we're positioned, um, I think we're very uniquely positioned to, to serve the needs of Haywood County, and because we are smaller, I think we're very nimble in terms of being able to adjust um, our offerings. And, um, you know, one example of that, you mentioned workforce development. Um, we've been able to add uh, in, in partnership with our high school 
partners in the county with, with Tuscola and Pisgah, which we talked about earlier. Um, additional workforce CCP tracks that we'll be launching this fall. So we're going to be launching four or five new workforce CCP tracks with them, which uh, we already have an array of curriculum programs that those students can, can connect with. Um, but just recognizing, um, wanting to give more options for students and connect with them in different ways. If they're um, more, you know, immediately jobs focused, um, we can uh, help them connect with a career pathway pretty quickly. Um, so we're excited about that. Um, <clears throat> Haywood Community College is very um, connected in with our healthcare community. Our hospital is a great partner here. Um, and we are, within the next couple of weeks, going to be breaking ground on our new health education building which is a demonstration of the tremendous partnerships that exist here in the county. And again, I think because of our size, we're, all, we're able to work together in, in just ways that I, I think are transformational for our community. So through the, the community college and um, the Haywood Healthcare Foundation, which was developed when um, the Haywood Regional Medical Center was sold, um, they have partnered with us to help fund the facility that we will be breaking ground on in a couple of weeks. So without that partnership, that new health building would not be coming to fruition. So I think those are some good examples of just how we're able to, to work together and partner in ways and, and really make deep impacts within our community for the future. Definitely, definitely. Um, can you, um, I know I, I lumped two questions there, so I want mm -hmm. to make sure we get to the second part. Sure. Um, what do you see is, you know, the future for rural community colleges and y'all's role mm -hmm. moving forward? So I think reflecting on the examples that I that I gave, I think rural community colleges have um, a critical piece to play in continuing to provide access to higher education for students, citizens of rural communities. I know when the community college system was was founded, there was a vision that, you know, all residents of of North Carolina would be within 30 minutes of a, a community college or, you know, a satellite location, which really means access to higher education. And so I think that will continue to be the role that rural community colleges play is that point of access for um individuals who live in rural communities and, and otherwise may not have access to those higher education opportunities. And connecting through technology is even more important these days as well, as we were talking. Definitely. Um, so can you talk a little bit about you, like what you feel about the year ahead? Like what, when you think about the year ahead, what do you see? have a lot of optimism <laughs> as we look ahead and thinking, as I was saying before, like through the pandemic and beyond the pandemic. So anytime, you know, I think I see it's almost um, looking, at, looking at it two ways, um, being leading kind of through this emergency time, um, many days it's been just like one day at a time. And it's really felt that way because of changing conditions and, you know, having um, a lot of uncertainty with our with our students and their own health and, and our employees and uh, a lot of, of things to navigate and manage. So kind of going from that mode and and maybe stepping a few steps above that to say, uh, okay, what what will the next month or two or three or year look like for us? So it's almost like taking a deep breath 
and saying, okay, we're going to rise above this kind of day-to-day, um, which you have, you know, have to do that to address critical issues, but at the same time, being able to lift above that and think to the future, um, it can be very refreshing and encouraging. And I know I've found uh, a lot of, um, I guess, relief in kind of thinking beyond the pandemic and um, anytime we can be planning something that doesn't have the word COVID in it, I've just really appreciated that um, opportunity. So, you know, I was mentioning our, our health education building. We're so excited about that. So a year from now, we should be in the final stages of completing that facility, which will mean for our nursing students and our science students, um, state-of-the-art labs and access to simulation equipment that they've not had before, um, being able to work in, you know, kind of cross-functional, interprofessional kind of environments where they're doing simulations with multiple students from different programs, um, being able to expose uh, younger students, our, our CCP and early college students to healthcare careers um, earlier, and they'll be able to, to watch some of these simulations and that kind of thing. So, you know, that's exciting to think about that a year from now we would be in that mode and, and looking ahead to that new facility coming online. Um, one thing that we're doing as an institution right now is going through our strategic planning process for the future, which again, it helps us to kind of rise above out of the pandemic mode and be thinking towards the future. So the, the college's current strategic plan uh, wraps up this summer. And so it was a three-year plan, and, and we're, over the past two or three months, we've been engaged in strategic planning for the future, which, you know, going doing that in a pandemic has kind of been challenging in itself, as most things have been, but we've uh, gathered input from our board of trustees, our employees, our students, community stakeholders, and, and then putting all of that information forward to our strategic planning committee to look again at our mission, our vision and values. And, you know, the pandemic has had an impact on where we'll go for the future. So, you know, we'll have to acknowledge that, but also uh, create a plan that allows us to be flexible as we come out of the pandemic. So that's exciting to, to think about and be implementing over the next year. I love that you're, you know, that you have that optimism at the core. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's really great, and also impressive after this past this past year. Um, so, speaking of this past year, can mm-hmm. you share a favorite memory from your time at Haywood so far? Yeah. So, um, in, in thinking about this past year, and, and you know the. Uh, Friday five minute dance party, you know, that's uh, one example of kind of fun things. There was another event that we held back in October, which was the, um, we called it the Bobcat Boothrew, but it was an alternative um, trick or treat kind of activity for our employees, um, students, and their families. And so we um, created a drive through kind of um, pathway. And then each family or student uh, student club, we had some some groups that that volunteered to create these booths. Um, they were kind of these standalone booths that were spread down through the parking lot, um, and folks dressed up. And they had uh, we had like socially distant um, uh, candy bags that we were able to distribute and. The, the turnout was phenomenal and the word got out to the community, which we weren't quite ready for, but we had a great turnout and it was just so, it was so much fun after, 
you know, going through the summer and, you know, having everything kind of be closed and not being able to get together like normal. Um, it was just a great event for us as a college, I think, to see each other, but also be having fun at the same time. So we were dressed up and also serving the community. So it was a lot of fun. I think um, they distributed uh, like 14,000 pieces of candy. Like it was, it was some big number, but we were very excited to be able to do that. And, and this is a fun time, fun memory. That's a lot of candy. Yeah, it is a lot of candy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it was a really, really <clears throat> fun experience. Um, great. Well, as we as we wrap up here, I want to make sure we have time for some rapid fire questions. Okay. So I've just got three. All right. Um, so for the first question, Western North Carolina, what is your favorite thing to do out here? So having lived in Western North Carolina most of my life, um, I have to say it's still hiking. I just love to get out. Um, on a trail or on, you know, on a mountain with a view. I mean, it's just, there's so many beautiful places to go. And it seems like every season, it's just a little, you know, has a little bit different flair to it if you go on different trails. So hiking has to be my number one. I'm biased to agree with you. Yeah. Because that is also my favorite (laughs) in Western North Carolina. Um, Okay. So a lot of people, we, we had a conversation about this earlier, but pandemic hobbies have become a really big big experience for a lot of sure. people. Uh-huh. So I was wondering if you have picked up any pandemic hobbies. Okay. So something that I wanted to do for a while, um, is to have a succulent garden. So I have, um, th- in, during the pandemic, um, I have my first succulent garden. Now it's, it's very small and it's, it's maybe six inches, but it has four different succulents and I've managed to keep them alive for three months now and, and they're starting to grow and I'm very excited about that. Um, I I just love it. And then I have now a terrarium, which, um, again, I've always wanted to have, and it's also kind of small, but, um, yeah, those are some indoor plant kind of things that have also been something that I've enjoyed during the winter, you know, to have that kind of green space inside and something to take care of. And so far, so good on those, (laughs) on those things. Congratulations. No. Succulents can be challenging in my mm-hmm. experience. I know they're like the easiest plants, but I, <laughs> I seem to be able, I'm able to kill almost any Yeah, plant, I haven't so. found them to be easy, but this, this particular grouping is doing very well where it is and with watering and yes, they're, they're doing well. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Okay. Last question. So we know um, last year when we were here, we covered the professional arts program here. Yes. And it's very special to Haywood and it's like internationally known. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to know that if you were in the professional crafts program, which craft do you think you'd try? So that's a tough one because they're all beautiful and they all, you know, have uh, a very highly skilled crafts people uh, working in them but if I had to pick one I would pick wood working um, and the reason why is because my dad's a woodworker and he has his own woodworking studio I guess you could call it but I grew up with that so I grew up with kind of playing around on the bandsaw and things like that and I have not had that connection for so long you know being an adult um, and not having the wood shop. Um, but I think there's something about the, the smell of the wood, you know, when you're cutting it or, or carving. You know, my dad's also a wood carver. Um, so I think the wood program is probably where I would start. That's amazing. I think next time we should get 
go over to the to the woodworking. Yeah, we could try out area. some 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 saws and carving. Yeah, we will yeah. need. I will need to be supervised. Okay. Heavily, <laughs> but I would I would love to do that. We'll definitely do that. We'll have we'll have some fun in the wood shop. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for having us here. Um, and we we wish you all the best. Thank you, Allie. Thank you for listening to the Awake 58 podcast. If you want more community college stories, news, deep dives into post-secondary education, and the current state of community colleges in North Carolina, you can head on over to ednc.org or follow us at Awake58NC on Twitter.